1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: All right, good evening everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Hope you guys had a restful restful weekend. I sure did. <laughs> I I really try hard to just make my weekends about rest. So much going on these days. You know again, Um, everything feels amplified. So, uh, just, just a little tip, make sure you're always right sizing everything. I want to remind myself to remind you all to do that more often, but make sure that you stop every now and then when you're feeling something very emotionally in a powerful way and say to yourself, what number on a scale of zero to 10 is this? If this is a four, let me make sure I'm bringing four energy, you know? And if it's a nine, then I can beat a nine. But sometimes right now, again, we need to crank it down two or three notches. Everything's feeling a little bit bigger, right? Because remember, for us to be at our best, we have to have energy. We have to have energy. We have to have energy to track ourselves, energy to regulate ourselves, right? energy to have boundaries, energy to settle down. And that's why after a long day, later at night, while in the middle of a crisis, we lose ourselves. That's the worst time to approach someone about something difficult or to be approached about something difficult. You've worked a long day, you're tired, just got home. You don't want the kids or your partner to come flooding you with stuff and stress and anxiety. So that's why a few things. Number one, right size everything, right? Keep checking in with yourself. Is this the right level of of um, intensity that I should be bringing to what's happening around me. But also check in on your energy levels. At the end of the day, when you get home from work, at the end of the night is sometimes the worst time to have very difficult, hard to have conversations. And it's okay to recognize that. We wanna give our relationships and ourselves whatever it is we need. It's not, it's not, it's okay if it's strange or weird or not normal, that doesn't matter. Being trauma-informed, mental health-focused, all these different things that we're trying to do, caring about, you know, the health and impact of things on your relationships. We have to give ourselves and our relationships what they need. So sometimes you might say, listen, I know I'm gone all day, you're gone all day, and we come home and that's our time, but we're both a little drained, we're a little tired. Maybe prioritize during the week, if those are your busiest times, just connecting and bonding. Right? And enjoying each other. And then later on a day off of the weekend, you can come back to these topics. Start your day by going for a walk and lovingly hold hands and say, let's talk through the issues of the week that we needed to talk about. Right? Because you need both. You need spaces where we have the energy to be focused and present and ground ourselves to talk through difficult things. And we also need to build in just romance and fun and play with important people in our lives, including our primary relationships, right? And so it can't be we're at work all day and then we come home, we have to have these really difficult, funky conversations. Maybe during the week when you're stressed, that's when you most need to just cuddle and talk and watch movies and go to dinner, whatever it is. But it's okay to say, we're gonna come back to this topic. I, I bring this up a lot with couples that are going through difficult times or even going on vacation. I'll say, that is not the time to bring in some of these triggery, stressy topics. Shelve them, compartmentalize them. We have to be able to do that. Healthy relationships are able to say, we're away, or this is a difficult time. Let's let's write this down and come back to that this weekend. We're not ignoring it, right? We're not brushing it under the rug. We're just, we're dealing with it appropriately. And that's part of mental health. Knowing what a situation or topic entails, right? What the work is for you around that and giving it that. I'm great at that. Telling people, I I just did therapy for eight hours. I'm not available to have a very heavy conversation. But hey, Saturday, let's meet up, go for a hike, and we can talk it out. And as adults, we learn how to hold things until then. And until then, we can still be very loving and kind and respectful, knowing that we have this difficult topic to talk about. We don't have to not speak until then or be mean or rude until then. We have to learn how to do both still care for and love the person in front of us while also acknowledging we have something frustrating, disappointing, or uncomfortable to talk about. And it's both, right? <clears throat> it's both. It's, it's hard for us to hold both. That the person I cared for is still the person who's in front of me, even though they just did something a second ago that upset me and I can't make them all bad. But it's about us looking out for mental health, which means being able to say, can't talk about that right now. I need to get back to you. I need to think about that. Sorry, I had a very long, hard day. I don't have the energy to really regulate or to process or sit in that. That's a really healthy relational skill. As long as you're not stonewalling someone. Stonewalling basically means you're never available for difficult conversations. You never want to have them. You're always rolling your eyes, shutting it down, saying not now, but never coming back to it. And that's why if you notice in my example, we always say when we can come back to it. Hey, right now is not a great time. Had a really hard day. I'm exhausted. Let's talk about it tomorrow at dinner, right? It's not just not now. And you notice I didn't have a rough energy around it. I was soft. I was soothing. I was firm. And I gave you, you know, an alternative, just like, you know, the difference between abandoning someone and taking space, taking space is when you say where you're going and when you'll be back. If you live with someone, you don't just run out. That's abandoning. That's not okay. That's a relational injury. That's an injury to the attachment system. A healthy person would say, you know what? I'm not feeling great. I need some space. I'm going to be gone for an hour. I'm going to go down to the Starbucks down the street. I'll be back in an hour. Where you're going and when you'll be back. That's the way we don't abandon people. We don't want to make things worse. Um, Got a great show planned for you, though. We're going to be talking about how to change your Instagram settings to improve your mental health. This is an article I saw. I thought it was really important more and more important as we go. And of course, DMs always open. We're going to be sliding into those DMs later in the show. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, topics, questions, whatever you got, we're here for you. Uh, stick around though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
2: we are back and uh, we're talking about social media use yes how to use instagram uh in a pro mental health way now one of the most powerful ways to do that is probably just to get rid of it Like, there's it's very hard to completely make it mental health centered. I mean, no matter what I've blocked, unfollowed, or tried to change up, I'm constantly in my explorer function getting forced to look at all sorts of, you know, toxic norms in our culture. You know what I mean? I'm so sick of being asked to buy things, I'm tired of seeing people. Talking about their, you know, gym body journeys. I, I don't care, or value any of that. That's not meaningful. Tell me your mental health journey. Tell me how you're working on changing the world. Tell me how you're working on, you know, individually or, or collectively changing the, you know, environmental damage and catastrophe around us, et cetera. Et cetera. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm just seeing instead pictures of people traveling and going to large, crowded events where no one's masked, and I'm just like, I'm out. Um, but let's talk about it. How to, how to change your Instagram settings to improve your mental health for those that aren't willing to just delete it or take a break. Cause that's always the number one to be off of it as much as possible. Go on there to look at what you got to do and be off. I'm trying to make it my rule where I just post what I need to post and I'm gone. You know, there's a lot of valuable things about Instagram. I mean, we're going to, I guess, be focusing on the negative, but let's just cover the positive. It's fun. And, and something giving joy or being fun is a healthy reason. You know what I mean? Just like I say all the time, you're allowed to eat a donut. A donut is not all bad. A donut is not bad food. A donut is time with time with a friend to catch up. A donut is something you made as an act of self-care and a healthy distraction. A donut is just a few seconds of joy You know, by eating something. We're allowed to eat our feelings. We're allowed to have a rough day and smile saying, I'm gonna go home and bake a cake because I love baking. I'm gonna play some music. I'm gonna sit there and enjoy the delicious thing that I just made. We're allowed to do that, right? And so social media has purpose just because sometimes it makes you laugh, right? Because it helps distract you from a difficult home life or a difficult relationship or a hard day or a hard week. It brings a joy to your face to go on Instagram and to see these ridiculous videos. So that is purposeful, that is meaningful, that is okay. It's not all bad, right? And my parallel example is always things with food or even porn. Porn is not all bad. Porn is, you know, a counterbalance to our sex-negative culture. Porn normalizes sexuality. Porn forces us to get more comfortable with different sex acts and different bodies. Porn tells us, you know, what we're afraid of and what's taboo in our culture. Porn helps us find new things that might arouse us. Porn helps us bring other things into our, our relationship. Porn is something we can do privately with ourselves to explore arousal pieces that maybe we don't want in real time or can't or can't do with our monogamous relationship, right? But of course, there's also some downsides. Everything has some downsides. So with social media, the first thing is limit your use. Some experts say 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. Sit with that for a second because some people spend hours. And I think that's where it becomes problematic because it's hours of feeding your brain some really toxic stuff. It's also maybe hours where you're going to be feeding your depression, where maybe you were better served doing something that would bring you joy or better served going and connecting with some people or not. But 30 minutes a day, woof. <clears throat> See, set a timer. See how much you get done in that period of time. <clears throat> might actually be a game changer for you. You know, breaking any habit, trying to change our relationship to things, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. It's not always going to be easy. You know, that's the whole key to patterns or habits is they they become implicit, unconscious. We're on autopilot. We don't even realize, you know, time and space don't don't really exist when we're really immersed and lost in something. Flow, as they call it. Well, social media can have an impact that's kind of like that. This dissociative fog state where we're not aware of place and time, right? People call our name. We're like, huh? Oh my God, that's right. I'm a person. I'm alive. I'm in this home. You know, we can lose ourselves, but that can be a benefit, but it can also be a negative. So pay attention how much time you're spending on there. <clears throat> Maybe look at the clock when you go on, look at the clock when you come off and be like, whoa, 30 minutes though. I think it's pretty good. Get on there, do what you got to do and get out. You know, also they, they call it pruning your feed. I think that's interesting. Um, look, Instagram, everything isn't what it seems. It's a false reality, but every, every form of media is. Music's a false reality. Songs are, books are. They're heavily edited, they're polished, they're face tuned, their you know, um, graphics are changed. Like, none of those things are honest. All media is about fantasy and idealization. And so, you know, when you're on social media, you're spending your day looking at what people want to lead with. You're looking at what people's best is. They're optimal. And often it's not even their best. It's a really inf- um performative best because it's photoshopped, it's posed, the lighting, you know what I mean? And we know that, but you don't want to spend a lot of time with that. Um so again, pruning, unfollowing and blocking certain things. Um so supposedly someone in here said that you can let Instagram know your preferences based on interactions. Um. Yeah, follow folks that lift up your mental health, unfollow those that don't. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Here's another one I thought was interesting. I, I've never had these turned on. Another way to really kind of regulate is uh, turn off your push notifications. I never had them on, but I've been with friends when they did have them on. And it is definitely very uh, jolting, and it breaks the the moment where I'm engaged in a conversation with a friend, a push notification pops on, they look down to see what it is. And then understandably, based on what they're looking at, they're going to have an emotional experience or a thought, and that can further distract them and pull them away. But that also comes down to basic phone etiquette. If you're spending time with another person, turn your phone off. Like, be unavailable for that period of time. And now people are getting their Apple Watches. Like, that's any better. So instead of looking at my phone, I'm looking down at my watch. Either way, you're breaking contact. It's just it's on your wrist. Like, I found that actually more distractive because friends of mine that have Apple Watches are looking at it actually more often because somehow they think it's, like, more incognito. And it's like, "Mm, it's not. It's just um, on your arm. It's like putting your phone on your arm. I don't know. That's just me. All right. We come back. We're going to keep talking about uh, social media and health. Something we can pretty much talk about every night. Uh, DMS, you know the you know the drill. They're always open over at Loveline on the IG page. If you got a question for us, drop it in there. Any topic you want covered, we're here to hear from that as well. And uh, past episodes of Loveline, as always, are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face in the show, and click on it. Then you can binge, post, and share. But um, stick around. We're gonna uh, talk about social media. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking about uh, social media and the impact it has on our mental health. But more importantly, just kind of talking about ways Instagram specifically that we can kind of, you know, uh, decrease the impact. Um, you know, some of these are really obvious. Some of them are also uh, constantly updating changes. There's a couple of brand new changes that have been made. But just to recap kind of uh, what we talked about thus far, we talked about bump it a bum, you know, staying on some experts say for no more than 30 minutes a day. Yeah, I know, some people are kinda like, huh? But track how long you're on. 30 minutes is uh, just the right amount of time to spend a little time with it, check in, post something, see what people are up to. Anything beyond that, you might be using it as a crutch, which isn't always bad. It's okay, remember, part of mental health is realizing that at times, things that are going on in the world will be far bigger than what we have the internal capacity to deal with on our own, right? So we're allowed to use coping mechanisms, And social media can be one to distract, to check out, to put a smile on your face. You know what I mean? Take a little rest. But we want to make sure that's what's in service of and you're spending a long time on it. It might really be a sign that you're depressed. Maybe you're lonely. That's why I'm a big fan of asking ourselves like what the need is, right? Like before we grab anything, what is it I'm seeking? And is this something that will actually provide that for me? Because sometimes being on dating apps or social media is it's I'm lonely. Okay, well, maybe reach out to someone. You know, or maybe I'm bored. Is there anything more constructive you can do? Or maybe you might say, I'm just needing a minute to myself to recharge. You know, there's no there's no bad answer per se, but if we're always relying or over relying upon the same coping mechanisms, sometimes it's better to actually maybe get that meet that need met. And that's where it becomes that cycle. If it's really meant to bring joy into your day, but it's not able to do that, that's why you keep swiping and swiping. You just really need a little hit or blast of some enjoyment, or you're lonely, right? And the loneliness is going to maintain itself. So you're swiping around, not realizing that you're hoping something will pop on that will kind of provide that. And it can't. So limit your time. Ask yourself also again, what need do I have? And is this able to meet that need? I even talk about that with eroticism. Sometimes feeling aroused or erotic or horny is really just a sign that we're bored or we're lonely and we just want connection or we want validation or sometimes it's something else. So it's important to ask. Then we talked about pruning your feed, getting rid of and unfollowing things that just get in the way or make you feel bad. Turning off notifications. I'm a big fan of that. I think that there's no reason to be interrupted and to know exactly at that second that someone posted something or sent you a message. You know what I mean? I don't think we I think we need to work on being less reachable. I want everyone to turn their phone off. You know what I mean? I want people to pick it up a couple times a day max and just do whatever they need to do and then put it down for a few more hours. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do that as well. We don't need to be readily available. Um, controlling likes, comments, and views. They're, they're adding new pieces to this. This is something we found out about. I think it was last week where there's something about, and I'm learning more. I don't hundred percent understand it. Turning off inappropriate or offensive comments. It's a, it's a switch we can turn on. I don't know how it tracks that, but we do know that you can remove the possibility of people leaving comments. Maybe you're in a place where you don't want to know everyone's thoughts about what you're posting, or maybe it's good for you to not comment. Because your comments might be rooted in you expressing anger, keeping the ball in the air, targeting something. Well, maybe it's better for you to just keep swiping or put your phone down. Or like we said, not allow posts on some of your comments. I'm I'm sorry, not allow comments on some of your posts. Because you don't necessarily want to step into having to encounter other people's undigested, unkind ideas and comments. Because that's what I realized. People seem to be most prone to wanna to comment when they are either powerfully transformed or they're like, whoa, that hit hard, or when they're upset. Not usually that in between, it's very polarized. Um, other ways that we can change our Instagram settings to improve our mental health, meet people in real time. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, that's what some of the experts are saying. Uh, you know, Put your phone down and go see people, live interaction's important, and I agree with that, however, we have busy lives people might live in isolated areas they might have they might not have direct access to individuals or community and for them social media is a place where that exists it's a vehicle for that so i always want to hold space for it being a little bit of both Um, also just taking a general social media break period. A lot more people are doing that. There's a lot of people that are deleting their social media. I've thought about it myself, just getting rid of all my social media. If you want to read, you know, if you want to be a part of my stuff, read my books, listen to my radio show or get into my practice. You know what I mean? But social media allows people to pop in and out wherever they want. Someone can send you a DM whenever they want. You know what I mean? So it's keeping that window open for people to kind of climb in and maybe you don't want that. Or you just need time off. I know a lot of people that are like going on a two week break and they don't miss anything. You can still watch the news. You can still text your friends. You're just not bombarded with advertisements and all sorts of other things that kind of put you in a bad mood or make you feel bad. You know, people traveling when we're in a pandemic and you're like, why is that happening? Or you're being reminded of things that you don't have access to. That was really hard for me when I was seeing people, you know, um, uh, uh, quarantining or, you know, uh, what was, there was a word we were calling, I can't remember, but essentially quarantining with others and I'm in a long distance relationship. And so I know it was hard for me at times to see people posting their pictures of them and their loved ones or their roommates. And I was isolating it alone. And so, you know, take care of yourselves. We don't have to encounter or see things. We're not ready or interested, ready for or interested in seeing that's the beauty of social media. You know what I mean? We want to, we want to be in control of that. Um, all right. Coming up next, though, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got some DMs for us, we're going to be sliding into those DMs, dropping the DMs on our Loveline AG page. Any questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to drop deeper into, let us know. And as always, uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. all right y'all we are back and now it's time to slide into those dms dms come from our loveline ig page
0: sliding into the dms this
2: one says hey dr chris i don't feel uh yeah hey dr chris i feel like my boyfriend doesn't care if i orgasm or not after sex or after oral sometimes he is too tired oh bless it's really hard really hard to just lay there passively and receive I appreciate that I'm not sure if that's a red flag or if I can do anything to change that he knows that I like to orgasm too sometimes <laughs> oh my god it's so I'm sorry I, I'm lovingly laughing because we're living in a world where things like he knows that I like to orgasm as well well I I, I hope so because that's that's something that a lot of people enjoy oh bless these questions are why I do this show um is it a red flag you ask yes uh it lacks empathy and it's rude self-centered yeah lacks it's a it's a massive red flag so um and it becomes a deal breaker if you know anytime you go to a partner someone who you're in a primary attached relationship with, which by the way, just side note, that's something that all couples have to be on board with. I think a lot of problems in relationships stem from the fact that one person wants something more casual or the individuals have really different definitions of what commitment means, and you need to talk that out. I know that that's a very strange, hard conversation, but if you want a secure attached relationship, which is the healthiest form, then you're wanting someone who really truly wants commitment. And in my definition of true commitment, that's about uh, creating safety. That's about consistency, availability, responsibility, and, you know, so it's about that presence. And part of that commitment is a mutuality. It's an us and a we, not an I. And if someone's only thinking about, you know, how sex feels for them and only focuses on them orgasming, then they're thinking in all I and me, and they have no perception of you. So um, that's not healthy. That lacks empathy. It's, you know, again, sex is something that's supposed to be fun for everyone. It's not something that is just there for the the penis owner or, or the man or the more masculine partner. It's for everyone. So um, yes, whenever we vocalize a need with a partner, their response to our need tells us everything. About their, you know, relational mindset and the possible relational health of that relationship moving forward. So, if you go to someone and you say, "Hey, it hurts my feelings when you say this," or "It upsets me when you do that," uh, or "Hey, I'd also like to orgasm in sex," and if they ignore you or don't care, that is a deal breaker, actually, um, because they'll do more of that in general. We're talking about a generalized perspective, and this person again doesn't think relationally or in terms of like, you know, there's this other person. So, um, have that conversation again listen to what they say and know that that's how they'll respond to other needs because listen guys penis owners more mask partners um there's two people there and if after orgasm you lack willingness well then maybe focus on your partner first and then you orgasm second um or you're not mature enough for sexuality You know, it's kind of, yeah, it's so disappointing when I hear these things because I'm going to imagine that that kind of mindset shows up in other areas. It might be some sexism or misogyny in there or a lack of understanding. A lot of people do have poor sex education. Maybe this individual has been socialized with other partners who are afraid to speak up. Um, Because again, we have to remember, I don't, I don't know where this person got sex education because for most of us, it's from porn uh, on the street and from experience. And you know, again, we live in a very patriarchal culture where a lot of women aren't confident speaking up for what they want. A lot of men aren't aware of how female sexuality operates and they think that penetration is enough. But you know, 75% of women orgasm from clitoral stimulation and not just vaginal penetration. And so that will never be enough for them. But more importantly. For the partners listening, if someone comes to you with a need of any kind and your response is that you don't care or you don't follow up or you don't follow through, then you're you're giving them a very unsafe communication, which is I'm not here for you and your needs won't get met. And that is absolutely the foundation of a healthy, sustainable relationship. And you're eroding at that. So it's never just sex, right? Sex is a heavily emotional and bonding experience, whether you intend it to be or not. Those pieces are there and how we manage it matters. So um Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. There's a lot of work to be done in that. Um, All right, we're going to take a little break. And coming up next, we're going to be talking about motivation. It's an important topic. And we're going to apply it to a lot of different scenarios. And then, of course, we'll be back closing out the show in some more DMs. So, again, drop those DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of Loveline, as always, are over at wearechannelq.com. So uh, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris Channel Q and Odyssey. All righty, we are back and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about motivation. This is, you know, this work comes directly out of uh, studies on addiction and addictionology. But <clears throat> as always, I want to remind everyone that this applies in general. So although we're using the entry point uh, of motivation around addiction, I'm going to try to remember these examples that, ex- you know, expanded beyond that and kind of translated out of that framework. And this is important because, you know, we're, well, not all of us, but a lot of us are often trying to stay connected to a goal or work towards something. Uh, not not all of our goals are always rooted in mental health. I see that happen a lot with people's desire to have a certain kind of aesthetic. I'll just use that word to make it casual. Um, so let's let's kind of jump into it. So <clears throat> I've said that, I've talked about this on the show before. Sorry if my throat's a little. It's that it's this whole air conditioning thing. It really clogs me up. Um, motivation. So. One of the things I said on another episode, it might've even been on a social media post. I don't remember. I talk a lot, you know? You're all like, yeah, we know. Uh, (laughs) try dating me. (laughs) Oh Lord, (laughs) try sitting there with me when I got a lot to say. Uh, okay, so motivation. So a lot of times people will DM me or a topic will come up and they'll say, I'm just really not feeling motivated in this area of my life, whatever it is. And my first question's always, well, is, is this thing that we're talking about, this this uh, thing that you wanna be motivated around or towards this goal or this process you're in, is it, is it anything you enjoy or that has reason or meaning to you? Because that's the starting point. And I'm gonna say a little bit more, but I, I want that to be, that's kind of the thesis of this discussion is that if the goal doesn't have uh, value to you, if it doesn't have like meaning in it that's important to you, well then you shouldn't be motivated to do it, right? then you're maybe trying to force yourself to work towards something that intrinsically has no value or meaning to you and so it's going to always be an uphill battle. There's ways to kind of reframe that, we'll talk about it, to try to shift maybe your perspective around it so as to add that motivation, but we're not meant to be motivated towards goals that have no purpose or meaning. It's a misuse of our energy, it's a misuse of our time. And remember, you know, our as as all systems including corporate systems, you know, institutions of any kind, um, and humans as well, our first goal is to maintain our own existence. And so we're always working on self-preservation. You know, a a corporate structure, a store, any job you have, uh, the church, like whatever systems or institutions we're talking about, they're always going to look out for themselves first. Their job is to maintain themselves. They're never going to put others before their own self-preservation. And humans are the same way. So part of the reason why these goals of maybe keeping the house cleaner, um, getting off drugs and alcohol even. We'll talk more about that. Uh, Advancing at work. I remember my dad worked a lot, a lot. And a lot of that was uh, toxic masculinity and internalized capitalism where he believed that his role as a man, his role as father, was to really just focus on providing for his family to his own detriment, to his own lack of self-development and self-awareness right? And what I mean by that is he worked so much because he thought that that was his job and his duty. And that was what it meant to be a good person and a good human that when he had downtime or free time, he didn't know what he liked to do. So he had this idealized um, form of, I guess, hobby and self-care and whatnot of golfing. <clears throat> I'm going to take up golfing. That's what it is. You know, he had this fantasy of what golfing meant. And I don't know what that was, but he he did. So he Joined a country club, got the golfing gear, probably even got my mom a set of golfing gear. And guess what happened? Nothing. Because he liked the idea of it. He liked the fantasy he had of what it was. But he didn't actually enjoy golfing. And that's why he never went to do it. And that was the most honest thing. And, and we have to sometimes sit in that, sit in truth. That who we want to be isn't who we really want to be who we would like to be, isn't really who we're meant to be. And saying the reason why I'm not really out there playing golf is because I don't actually enjoy the process of golf. I like the idea of it. I like how it makes me feel. I have a fantasy of what it would be like, but the truth is it's not really what I like. And then you aren't supposed to be doing it and you're not supposed to be motivated towards it. If we're going to talk more about motivation. Stick around. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about motivation. And I think what's so interesting is for some, this whole conversation, the truth of it all becomes a letdown because a lot of our goals aren't really honest. A lot of the ways we wanna see ourselves living, looking, or being in the world aren't honest. And so we have these goals that are rooted in our ego, right? Or internalization of cultural norms and values. Um, Like we we should wanna always look our best or we should always want to you know achieve the next step in our career like whatever these issues or struggles might be or we should all love the outdoors but that's not honest. Like I don't love the outdoors. And so I'm not going to play good West Coast outdoorsy guy and be like, sure. I love the beach. I don't. I'm indoorsy. I like more academic intellectual pursuits. I'd rather go to a live show or a gallery exhibit or a bookstore or coffee shop and have deep interesting conversation and be transformed by looking at art. I don't want to go to the beach and, you know, get skin cancer, rot in the sun, you know, Cedric, Cedric, Sedger, listen to people's obnoxious radios that they're blasting. like whatever whatever those pieces are. I do like the beach. I just like it in controlled environments and at night, and blah blah. But my point is is a lot of these ideas of who we think we should be or what we should be doing aren't honest for who we are. And I even work with people professionally around that where they think that they should want to advance to the next stage, but the truth is they don't want to work anymore. They don't want any more responsibility. I work with a lot of people that will say that. I was offered this secondary gig at work or a transition at work or um, even a promotion. And they're like, maybe it has more money. Maybe it doesn't. And maybe it's more work. And they're like, I feel like I should want that, but I don't. And I'm like, right, You don't. Not everyone wants to do more. Some people they're working on good enough and contentment. They're like, I got my needs met. I don't need to buy a new car. I don't I don't need to be a homeowner. I don't need to try to get into management at my job. Some people are like I just want to clock in, do what I'm supposed to do, clock out. My needs are met, and I want to spend my time doing something else. Other people are like, I don't mind renting an apartment. I don't want to be a homeowner. I don't want to be laying out all this money for you know, my clogged drains or a new roof and this and that. I just want to call my landlord, let him pay and fix it, and I just pay my monthly rent, and I'm good. And there's so much value in a lot of that. It's okay to to focus on good enough. It's okay to focus on just being content with what you have. We don't always need to be trying to optimize and go to the next step and, you know, work and always self, it's toxic self improvement culture. It's okay to say, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to work on myself anymore. I'm good. You know, and in L.A., where there's a lot of toxic gym culture, we're always supposed to be trying to, a lot of us feel the pressure. I do as well, especially working in media, to look a certain way and to, you know, make sure we're going to the gym. And I'm really proud of people that are like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll move my body when I move my body or I'll go to the gym once or twice a week. And they're like, and I'm good. And they're like, what are your goals though? What are you working on this year? And they're like, nothing. I'm working on just being where I'm at. I love that. I love people not having New Year's resolutions and goals. Just focus on being happy. Focus. Make your goal focusing on more joy and pleasure. Make your goal focusing on just being content with what you have and where you are and not needing more. Because that's the trap. Always thinking we have to improve or do more or advance. No, we don't. Just be where you are. Like that's how I am in my career. I'm working on just being happy with where I am. I don't need anything. All my boxes are checked. I'm good. If if new things come down the road, I'll consider it. My first consideration is: Is it good for my mental health? How's it impact the quality of my life? Is it more for less? Like, you know. And you're allowed to do that. Same thing relationally. I'm not feeling the pressure. Well, you've been in this relationship for a certain amount of years. What's the next step? Maybe none. Maybe that's it. Maybe Oprah and Stedman. They were like, We're good. We don't need to get kids. We don't need to get married. We're good where we are. We have everything we need. It's kind of the way I operate you know? And so that's the first question with motivation. We're motivated to do things that we associate with reward and also purpose and meaning. And the addiction piece comes in, right? Because dopamine, which is the you know, neurochemical that we often misuse and misunderstand when we're talking about addiction, it's rooted in anticipation. It's more of an anticipatory thing. It's not really, you don't get the powerful kick necessarily when you're engaging in the drug or alcohol use. It's anticipatory, which is why every time, you know, you're excited to get ice cream. And the most delicious part of getting ice cream is your excitement on the way there. You're already enjoying that ice cream when you're standing in line, your mouth is watering, and you're super excited, and they can't scoop that ice cream fast enough. That's dopamine already going in your body. It's anticipatory. And that first bite's really good, but guess what? Every bite after has a diminishing return. It gets less delicious as you eat it. Each scoop, you're just trying to chase that initial. The reward drops off. And that's part of it. You know, it's the law of human gravity. We're gonna be most most motivated to do what's easiest, funnest, and what's fastest. And that's for drugs and alcohol. Instead of doing the difficult work of reconnecting with others, finding purpose and meaning in your life, the drug's just quick, easy, and fast. It'll just make me feel good, make me feel better. That's where we recognize now that addiction is not a disease. It's not locatable in the brain, although the brain has responses as a result of it. Our brains will change in response to anything we do, such as hugging a loved one, losing a loved one. Like our brains are always changing in response to what's happening, so that's not telling us anything. But addiction is a symptom of something. It's a coping mechanism, a really poor one, because it leads to actually more problems. But it's an attempt to cope. It's a symptom of, and that's the question. What are you coping with? Well, generally, it's a lack of meaning and value in our lives, a lack of meaning and value in what we're doing or in relationships, because it's rare that people will be, you know, having a problematic relationship to drugs and alcohol when living a life that means something to them, that is purpose and value. And that's part of long-term recovery and sobriety, if that's what you're seeking, is to build a life that is meaning and value, that can't also include the drug and alcohol use but you'd prefer and choose always over that drug and alcohol use, your, whatever you've built, and that's what helps keep them sober. It's impossible to have long-term happy sobriety if you are not doing something meaningful with a lot of worth and value with your sober life. Because if the drug use is bringing more joy and fun, well then yes, you should be using, if otherwise your life is full of trauma And it's dull and it's flat and it's disconnected. That's a very reasonable shift. And so, again, we have to build lives of purpose and value and meaning so that we don't want to exit them, so that we also want to, so that we really want to be a participant and present. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, keep talking about motivation. You are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking about motivation, kind of as it applies to everything and anything. It's kind of a broad topic, but uh, external and internal. Those are the different things that motivate us. It's even, it's either an internal motivation, right? It has purpose and meaning and value to you, or the things that we are willing to put time, energy, and effort into, there might be something external. Usually that's a form of control though. The external is usually control-based. But breaking down really complex neurobiological ideas, simple is we're motivated to do things that are associated with reward and pleasure, right? We're going to want to go camping this weekend if in some way, via what we've seen on television, stories we've heard or our own camping experiences, we perceive the idea of going camping this weekend as being associated with something rewarding and something fun. And if it is, that will make us keep wanting to come back to it. If we're trying to not camp anymore, the answer can't be, I'm going to trade in that pleasurable, rewarding experience to just spend the weekend sitting there doing nothing that'll never work, which is why in the last segment, I said to stay sober, you have to build things of purpose, value, and meaning. Otherwise, understandably, you'll want to go back to problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol because that's more fun. And so part of long-term happiness and sobriety is building something in your sober time that has worth and value. Because again, remember, we are going to be motivated towards that which has historically promised reward and pleasure. So to stay sober, you have to build something that can compete with that. That's why people long-term happy sobriety, because the goal is not just to get up drugs and alcohol. There has It has to be about mental health. It has to be about your life getting better. Otherwise, keep using. If that has made your life better, well, there you are. I don't want to move people into sobriety and then their life gets harder and more miserable. What's the point? What ethic are we operating under? Get rid of drugs and alcohol at all costs, even if it makes your life harder and more miserable? Well, that's ridiculous. There's nothing reasonable in that. So you have to say, what am I going to do with my sober life that is purpose and value that means more to me? But that's what we should all be asking. And so when someone says, again, why am I not motivated at my job? Because it's not rewarding. You don't enjoy it. There's no way to make that then make sense. You shouldn't be there. Make it a mental health issue and find something that does do that. Same thing with a relationship. There's no valor in being like, look at me sticking it out because we got married. We're both miserable. No, that is not mental health. And let's not applaud that. Let's have you instead work on building a relationship that has pleasure and meaning so you want to be in it and motivated to participate or get the heck out and work on finding that. Relationships shouldn't be a death sentence or a hostage situation. Relationships should be things that we're in as long as they're working for us. Yes, we don't just treat them lightly and discard them quickly, but we don't, we're not, our goal isn't to just be in a relationship. Our goal is to make our lives better. And sometimes relationships can do that. And if they're not, then it's not the right thing for you, much like a friendship, a job, whatever else we're talking about, right? but remember we have to whatever it is we're trying to do has to be associated with reward and pleasure otherwise it's not going to stick right so that's 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 going to be that I and mean, you can't you can't fake that and we know with motivation that initially it might be an external reward because you know brooded in a, the law company policies school rules family rules something outside that makes you do it But for it to stick long term, there has to be an internal motivation, an internal reward. You're not going to keep at something because it makes others happy. You're not going to keep at it because it just lets you maybe keep your job if you don't value that job. You have to find that internal motivation. I'm doing it because I like it. I'm doing it because I find meaning in it. I'm doing it because it's rewarding for me. That's what you need over the long haul. So you have to either talk to yourself to find that or you have to find something else, right? And that's the difficulty. And even even in, uh, in addictionology, um, addictionology and addiction work, we now know that it's okay to start with the external, right? So saying something like, well, come back when you're ready. No, because that person might not come back. They might die. And we're now working from a harm reduction model. We're not letting people hit rock bottom. We're not doing tough love. That's not actually rooted in care and compassion. When someone's struggling, they need us to actually help keep them afloat. So if someone's struggling with drugs and alcohol, yes, please feed them. Please clothe them. Please let them have a home. Don't kick them out saying you need to hit rock bottom. That person might wind up actually just dying or going to jail. And jail is not better for them, actually. In jail, addiction rates are rampant. They'll actually have a higher rate of still using, a lower rate of success by getting locked up. That is not what works. We're doing harm reduction. And so if someone's coming in with an external motivating force, great. I'll work with them until I can find something internal, right? Internal motivation is directly influenced by those externals. So the question then becomes like, how do I help shift that motivation, right? Find purpose and meaning in moving towards a life of sobriety, right? So we want to be there and be supportive of getting them there. That's why we're moving towards this harm reduction model. Total abstinence isn't reasonable for everyone. And a lot of people can't be held accountable that. And they'll never achieve that. We have to still help them anyway and we have to see the successes that they do make as successes reducing their use might be all that can ever be all that they can ever be accountable to that might only be that might be their only goals how can we use less less often and less amounts maybe and that to them is sobriety that is their success and that's worthwhile and that is meaningful not everyone's built or meant for total sobriety not everyone even wants that and we have to meet people where they're at and so motivation has to come from the inside and the outside but you can apply that to anything but we can't force it. So, all right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around.
0: I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your
2: reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Alrighty, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: Alright, let's see what you got for us. This one says, hey Dr. Chris, I heard you talk about boundaries. And boundaries and how they relate to friends and friendships. My best friend of 15 years has become a little problematic and it feels like it's toxic. My best friend's new friends are very much into the party scene and often do so unsafe. My friend is engaging in new behaviors, spending time with those new people, and is becoming someone that I'm not used to. I miss our old friendship. I'm not so compatible with this new person. When I try to back away, she always asks me to dinner or to hang out and says she's lonely, and that makes me feel bad. But then on her social media, she's constantly out with new friends. How can I tell her that I want to love her from afar? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and I appreciate that. Um, as people, you know, we don't always move forward in our lives with someone we're dating or someone we're friends with in a very synchronized, aligned, compatible way. That's part of growth and change, and so it's very understandable that people, relationships, jobs, all sorts of things that, things that made sense at one point in our life might not make sense later, you know? But again, that's not a bad thing, you know? I appreciate that the bad thing might be, I had this friend, I I had this idea that this friendship would last forever, but that, that incompatibility is a sign that people are growing and that's how it's supposed to go, you know? Everything that made sense in our life shouldn't always make sense in our life. That means someone or something isn't changing, you know? And of course, we don't want to lose every element, um, but that's okay. So I, I like that you seem to have made peace with it, because your question was, how can I tell her I want to love her from afar? So it seems like you're resolute in the idea that there's not compatibility there, because again, remember, our mental health is impacted by the mental health of those around us, and if they're not available in grounded ways, or they're participating in social scenes or with activities you're not comfortable with, well, it's not going to be good for you, right? So I like that you seem accepting of the fact that this is just what happens sometimes, and it's a bummer, but that's just okay. Uh, And you can't get pulled in by her pleads for loneliness because unfortunately, although that's real, this person might only be able to consider you as available for that element when she desperately needs you. But when things are good and fun, you're not someone she thinks of. And that's a bummer because no one wants to just be someone's, you know, quote unquote therapist or support. We want to participate in the positive, fun parts of someone's life as well. So listeners, remember that as well. If you're always going to someone for heavy material, try also sometimes going to them with a joke. Try going to them to just do something fun out in the world. Try going to them with lighter material. I know it can be very exhausting. I have some people in my life that only come to me when times are hard. And you don't always want to be, number one, you want to participate in the other parts of someone's life. Number two, it starts to make you feel like, they're being a little self-centered because essentially they're only coming to you when they need you, right? And that's not a compliment. And number three, you've got other things going on in your life and that can be depleting. So I appreciate that. You don't want your friend to only turn to you when you're lonely and you're essentially plan B because her plan A friends aren't available. Like that's not gonna work. And you want people that have things in common with you. You wanna be seen and heard and mirrored. We need to be mirrored. That's why we all need to be around people that value who we are and also, you know, um, relate to the parts of us that are most important to us like that's part of you know that's part of true relationship right so there's a couple ways to go i always advocate for the most transparent vulnerable responses that when possible because it at least is respectful to the other person lets them be a part of that discussion and decision making so if you've just decided hardline, this is what it is then um <clears throat> You know, you maybe don't want to have this conversation, but maybe do. But the conversation would sound something like, hey, listen, it looks like, you know, you've really started spending time with a new group of friends. Um, I don't feel as though there's a lot that we have in common anymore. And I don't always feel safe with the things that you're doing. So it looks like our friendship maybe has gone as far as it can. Love you, wishing you all the best. And then if you want to still be there, you can say, but I'm still here if you ever need me, or maybe you don't throw that part in. Um, But that's what that kind of communication would sound like. It's not easy for sure. It's not easy to send. It's not easy to get. But the, you know, the only other option you have is ghosting. And I never think that that's a kind, respectful thing. I think that's actually quite harsh. And when someone reaches out to you, you do have a, uh, you do have an account. You do have a uh, responsibility to respond back. If it's someone you have built a relationship with, right? So um, yeah, have that difficult conversation, but I'm proud of you for being in a, for being able to accept like that natural shift in evolution. So all right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Spend the rest of the night rooted in tons of self-care. As much joy as you can find. Tons of rest. Be good to yourself. Be good to those around you. You know, the world's hard enough right now. Let's try to make it easier on each other. Um, all right, y'all. As always, thanks for hanging out. Y'all enjoy the rest of your night.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?